This is the New Life Rancho Vista podcast. We are a church committed to loving God, growing together, and serving others. Our prayer and desire is that this message from our campus pastor, Peter Moore, will be a help and an encouragement to you, regardless of where you are in your relationship with Jesus. So let's open our hearts and minds as we turn our attention to the incredible truths God has for us today. Uh, We certainly agree with uh, the fact that we can trust Him, that His favor is, is greater than we could ever imagine. We're going to talk about the grace of God. We're going to talk about our faith in the grace of God and our faith in the Word of God. When everything around you seems crazy, uh, when COVID-19 and quarantine are wearing you down, it's faith in God alone that gives you strength. And so we're going to talk about express faith. Now, a lot of churches are, are into drive-up faith, And I'm glad that at our drive-in, I can certainly say that many of you here and at least everyone in my small group, we've been talking about how getting more devoted and how we can use this adversity and our lack of certainty to grow our faith, to grow us in ways that we could never uh, have grown before. I don't know about you, but I want to be stronger because of this pandemic and this trial, not weaker because of it. And so I want you to take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7, we've been going through the first few chapters of Luke in a series called The Life Worth Living. Jesus offers the life worth living. And the key to life, the life worth living is, there goes my mask, uh, the key to, to the life worth living is a life of faith. And so we're going to be talking about a man whose faith was marveled uh, by the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, I hope the kids have something to do in the car there. We're going to keep it short today. Uh, But we want to be expressing our faith during a time where we can't see how it's going to end. We can't see how it's going to work out. But we certainly are thankful for a God who knows, a God who can help us in every storm. Uh, so if you don't have notes, uh, I just want you to, uh, uh, to go ahead and honk your horn. If you don't have notes, honk your horn. We'll get you notes. Uh, and if you can't hear me or if you want to roll up your windows uh, due to the wind or the heat, turn on the air. Uh, you can find us on 90.5. So that's our radio station for today. And I'm so thankful for our team members uh, who are uh, doing a fantastic job and helping us adapt and overcome. We're going to read verse number one. In the first part of verse number two, and then I'm going to kind of stop, and then we're going to read some more. I'm going to stop. We're going to read some more. Uh, We're just going to walk through the first ten verses of this chapter. I think it will be a blessing and encouragement to you. But Luke chapter 7 and verse number 1 says this, Now when he had ended all his sayings, in the audience of the people, he entered into Capernaum. And a certain centurion's servant, let me stop right there and say, a centurion would be like, our sheriff captain, right? It would be like uh, someone who is over uh, the National Guard in our area, perhaps. See, the centurion was picked by a hundred of his peers, so he was pure uh, selected, and those peers would ask him to be the leader, and he would act like a police officer. Uh, He would bring order into that area of Galilee. Now, the word Capernaum is the house of Nahum, uh, after the prophet Nahum. And the servant, the word servant is doulos. That was someone who was p- potentially an employee, but also it was someone who was probably like a son to this centurion. Why we know that is continue reading in verse 2, and it says this, who was dear unto him 
He was sick and ready to die. Now, I believe it was Adrian Rogers that said, you are not ready to live until you're ready to die. The most common thought we all think in this lifetime is about the uncertainty and the frailty of this life. I was reminded of that frailty last week when my dad had a heart attack. And uh, many of you know he had a five-way open heart surgery, five-way bypass and a pump installed in his heart. And he made it through that surgery. And, you know, one of the things I was talking to him about, I said, and this is our key thought as we start, I said, Dad, you know, doctors can add years to your life, but only Jesus can add life to your years. And I believe that the life worth living is offered by Jesus in this passage by showing us that there's a greater way to live our lives. It's through grace, it's by his word, and it's through obedience. So let's look at that, because I believe that faith is the key to understanding and unlocking the life worth living. Faith is the key. Everyone say, faith is the key. Say it again, faith is the key. Faith is the key to uh, finding security for eternity. Faith is the key to overcoming anxiety. Faith is the key to restoring order uh, in our society. Faith is the key to helping every priority. Faith is the key. Faith is the key. And so the question is, how can we have greater faith? Or some of you might be asking, how can I have any faith? And the answer to that question is found in in the, the, the discussion that is surrounding the healing of this servant, or if I could call him a son. He was like a son to the centurion. And the questions are asked, how can faith be enabled? What enables faith? How can faith be increased? And then what really proves that we have faith? What proves our faith? Let's answer those three questions briefly. I think this will be a help to everyone, uh, even the the children that are in the back of the cars doing the the sheets. I hope you'll listen. Uh, I hope that you'll take some notes because I want to answer those three questions. First of all, what enables our faith? And number one, I want you to notice in verse number four through verse number seven that grace, the grace of God, God's grace enables our faith. It enables our faith. Uh, It's interesting to me that this passage of Scripture uh, is is also recorded in the book of Matthew. And in Matthew chapter eight and verse number five, uh, Jesus enters into Capernaum, and as he enters, his presence fills the place. His presence filled that place, and people started to ask him, ask him to heal, ask him to help, ask him to come and to touch uh, their fevered children. They started asking, and did you know that when problems arise in our society and in our families, that the greatest thing we can do is ask for help from Jesus, ask for help uh, from on high? And so we can come boldly to the throne of grace and find help in time of need. You see, the grace of God is the presence of God that helps us in every area of life. The grace of God uh, has appeared unto all men, and it brings salvation to those who are willing to receive the gift of grace. But they were beseeching him. Why were they beseeching him? And what is the word beseech? We don't use that word that much. Beseech. Well, it's, uh, it's an interesting word. Uh, it's, it's the Greek word for asking over and over again. It means to beg. Now, parents of young children, I'm sure you have 
some, some, there, you've had some times where your children have been begging for something. Right now, presently, the last couple of weeks, my boys, Camden and Chandler, have been begging for a puppy every day, in the morning, in the evening, uh, <laughs> just like the song we sang, uh, asking for a puppy. Dad, when can we get a puppy? And I said that what, I, what I've told them the last few weeks, and that is when you do your chores without asking for 30 days, you are ready for a puppy. We're, in, we're on day four. We had to start over a couple times. But friends, they, were, they have been beseeching me, asking. They will not stop. And so in this passage, we see that he sends Jews to ask. Then he sends his friends to ask Jesus. And then finally he asks himself, I don't know what you need from God, but God wants to hear from you. You might be waiting for an answer. You might be waiting on him. But friend, can I just let you know we're all waiting. We're waiting for this pandemic to end. We're waiting for God to do something in our lives. And waiting is a tool God uses to reveal his grace and to work his grace in our lives. So let's read what happens in verse number four. They came to Jesus. They besought him instantly saying that he was worthy for whom he should do this. Why was he worthy? Verse five, the Jewish leaders are telling him why he's worthy. Well, he loves our nation and he built a synagogue for us. Wouldn't it be awesome if someone just said, hey, I noticed you guys have a piece of property. I just want to build a building for you. Wouldn't that be great? We would thank that person. We would be glad for that, right? Well, that's what this guy did for them. He built a synagogue. That synagogue is still there to this day. In fact, if you type in your Google, don't do it now, but do it later. Synagogue, Capernaum, Israel. They're beautiful. I've, I've stood in that synagogue. It's a beautiful synagogue that dates back to Jesus' time, this synagogue. And so the centurion was being described as worthy, but let's ask the centurion whether he was worthy. And so this is what the centurion says to Jesus. And uh, in verse number 6 and 7, I'm actually going to read it from Luke chapter 8. In verse number 8, it says, Lord, I am not worthy. Wait a second. I thought the Jewish leader said he was worthy. Yet the centurion saying, I'm not worthy. Why was the centurion saying, I'm not worthy? He wasn't saying he wasn't wanting a, a healing. He was saying, I'm not worthy for you to even come into my house. The word worthy means to balance the scales, to bring a balance to a weighted scale. This scale is equally balanced on either side, and it's fixed that way. But friend, life is not that way. And no matter how out of balance you have become with sin and wrongdoing, there is nothing you can do right to make up for the wrongs. Your scale is perpetually out of balance, and there's nothing you can do to fix it. But the grace of God came, and it comes to balance the scales, not by what you can do, but by what Jesus has already done. And so he was saying, I'm not worthy. I, I, I'm not capable, actually. I'm, I'm not I can't even fathom you coming into my house to heal my servant. And so we see what happened here is God's grace had the power to heal and transform regardless of what his life looked like, regardless of what it felt like, regardless of the distance. And it's the grace of God that's willing to enter into your life in the areas that no one else would be willing to enter. 
Jesus is willing to, uh, to invade the areas of our hearts and our minds and our families where we would not want anyone else entering that area. And Jesus said, I can come into your house. I don't care how messy it is. <laughs> I don't care how, how ashamed you are. I don't care how dirty you feel. I want to come heal you. So no matter how unworthy we feel, grace says you can be a recipient, not because of your goodness, but because of God's love for you. You see, he, Jesus, offered grace to many, and he offers grace to you, and his grace is free. His forgiveness is not earned, it's given. And so what enables our faith? The grace of God. The grace of God enables our faith. But what increases it? You say, I've received that gift of grace for eternal life. I, I, I understand God's grace is free. I get that. I understand that. But how can I increase faith? And by the way, that's my prayer. I want to increase my faith, church. I don't want to live a life with small faith. I don't want to pray prayers of, of, of little significance. No, I want to pray prayers of great significance. I, I, I put my knees in this dirt, and I know many of you have. You've, you've prayed, and you've signed that prayer book, and, and, and you're asking God to do something in your family, but also in your church family. And you're wanting, you're believing that God will. But friend, how can we increase our faith? And the only way we can increase our faith is through the Word of God. It's the Word of God that brings the presence of God that increases our faith. And so it's faith. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So in verse number 3, we skipped that verse because I think there's an interesting phrase here. In verse number 3 it says, And when he heard of Jesus, you know, at some point all of us heard about Jesus. Maybe you're here and you're just now hearing about Jesus. But friend, the greatest thing you could ever hear is who Jesus is. The greatest knowledge you could ever have is how Jesus can give you the life worth living. And so in verse number three, he hears of Jesus. And then he wants this healing. So the words about Jesus brought a confidence about the healing that could come to pass. Well, what healing had to come to pass? And this servant we know from Matthew 8 was sick of the palsy. Some of you know what that is. That's a condition of being paralyzed. But I believe that it's significant that he healed a man of the palsy because the, the word palsy, it means paralyzed, but it's a condition of the mind. It's where the mind is telling the body to do something and the body will not respond. I don't know about you, but when I was in sixth grade, I was pretty clumsy. My mind was telling my legs to do something, and they would not do it. In fact, I was so clumsy when I was in sixth grade, I broke my own ankles twice. Like, you know, sometimes in sports, someone else breaks your ankles. I broke my own ankles twice. I was clumsy. But friends, the disappointing thing is I'm often spiritually clumsy. We're often spiritually clumsy, and when we trip and fall, and when we, when we want to do one thing, but we end up doing the opposite. 
and we don't want to do another thing, and we end up doing that. That's exactly what the Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 7 when he said, the things I want to do, I don't, and the things I don't want to do, I do. He says, oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of sin and death? And then in verse number 1 of chapter 8, he says, there's no more condemnation. I'm not going to stay down. I'm not going to stay on the sideline. No, there's no condemnation to those that walk in the Spirit it's one step at a time by the Word of God dictating our every move. And so it is, it is the Word of God that brings faith and healing. The word healing means to be cured for life. I love that. And so in verse number 8, we've read through verse number 7. Verse number 8, he says, just say the Word. You don't have to come to my house, just say the Word. This is what he says. I love this. He says, for I am a man set under authority, having under me soldiers. I say unto one, go, and he goeth. To another, come, and he cometh. To my servant, do this, and he doeth it. And then he says, he says, just come, just, just come. I think it's really significant that, that he had this faith, this confidence to just say, Jesus, you are not bound by your physical presence. Your spiritual presence can bring uh, all that I need. And friend, whether you can come to church or whether I'm with you or someone else is with you or whether you're all by yourself, friend, you can feel the presence of God. How many are thankful today that you can feel the presence of God regardless of where you're at? That's a blessing. And so here's, here's, here's the, the key thought from this point. And it is this, faith in God's word is not about ability. It's not about knowledge, not about how good you are. Faith in God's word and God's presence is not about ability, it's about availability. You see, when we surrender in faith to the word of God, it increases our faith more than trying harder, more than anything else we could ever do. I heard about a man who was walking out of the door of his church, and he was in his 40s, but he had lived a life uh, just, just of one disappointment right after the other. And he walked up, and he was just sick of his own life, and he just wanted to live according to the Word of God, and so he walked up to the pastor, and he just said, Pastor, the answer is yes. Now what's the question? And the pastor said, what? What do you mean, what's the question? And he said, no, I'm, I'm saying the answer is yes, but, but what's the question? And the pastor said, what question? And he said, I don't know. You tell me. He said, I'm just willing to say yes. And whatever God lays on your heart from the word of God, my answer is already yes. That's the surrender to the word of God. Knowing that God is telling the truth when he says if you step out before you've figured out how it all work out, that he will move and work and do things that you could never, ever do. And so... Faith in God's word is believing God regardless of the circumstance. It's increasing our faith through surrender. But how does that look on an everyday, in everyday life? I want to tell you that grace enables our faith. Truth increases our faith. But it is obedience that proves our faith. Church, I want you to, let me just pastor you for real quick. You are are not the sum total of your intentions. You are the sum total of your actions. And let me just say something in love to everyone who calls New Life your church home, that what we believe is not what we say, but it is what we do. 
Our obedience to the word of God is what we believe. Our belief in who God is is based, is shown, and is proved based on the word of God. And in verse number 10, I want you to see this. And this is the final verse. It says, and they were sent returning to the house and found the servant whole that had been sick. Man, I love that verse. They were sent. The word sent means to be dispatched on purpose. It means to be put on a mission. And you're on a mission. What if they would have gone home and found their servant still sick? What if he would have died nonetheless and they couldn't find Jesus? Friend, there were a lot of what ifs, but they did not trust the what ifs. They trusted the what is. And they said Jesus said he would be whole. So I'm going to take him at his word. And I'm just going to step toward that place, that house of sickness. I'm going to step toward it in Jesus' name. I'm just going to obey. It doesn't look like I want it to. And I don't have any certainty. But I'm not going to step out only when it's certain. I'm going to step out when I know God is wanting me to. And I'm going to let him take care of everything else. Else, and that's what we've done as a church. We don't know how this is going to work with this property, but friend, we just said we're going to give, we're going to step out, and we don't know how it's going to work with this pandemic, but we're just taking one step at a time. And if we can't meet in a building, we'll meet in cars, and, and when we can, we'll meet under a tent, we'll meet however we can. But friend, we're the church of God. We are not a building, we are a people of God, and we are willing to trust God each step of the way. And God has a way of taking little steps of faith and doing big things with them. You know what I love about our church? I love the fact that in the last service, we had people who were just getting out of prison and people who had just sent people to prison. Last service, we had executives and we had people who were homeless. Last service, we had lots of different types of people because it's not about who comes. It's about who we're worshiping, and it's about who we're placing our faith in. I love the fact that God does extraordinary things with ordinary people. We're just a group of ordinary people taking steps of faith. You say, what steps of faith should I be taking? Well, unknowingly, <laughs> the centurion gives us the first three steps of walking with Jesus. Isn't that beautiful? He says, I say come, and they come. I say do this, and they do it. He said, I say go, and they go. Did you know that's the first three steps in the Christian life? Come unto me, all ye that are, la that are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Do the will of the Lord. Do the works while it is day. He says, not my will, but thine be done. Do what God wants you to do. Be a follower of him. That's step two. And then step three, go and tell others about Jesus. That centurion, not knowing the, the process, gives us the process to come to Jesus, to do his will, and to go tell others. And that is certainly the process for us. And it's a process of obedience. As I close today, I want to show you something. I, I, I think I told you a couple months ago that we were at David G. Millen doing our Bible, uh, Bible club there, and we walked out after the Bible club, and someone had taken a crowbar and, and bypassed our trucks, the church truck lock, and broke in and, and stole a couple thousand dollars worth of equipment. It was a very sad day, but it was, it was unfortunate they, they, they were able to bypass the lock. They forced their way in. They must have walked by and saw 
something in the, in the back and, and must have decided right there in broad daylight, right in front of the cameras. <laughs> we got the locks replaced, and I, and I was thinking about this message, and I, I asked the guy, I said, hey, hey could, I, could I have that? And he looked at me kind of funny. I said, don't ask. <laughs> but I wanted to show you this because I believe this is a picture of what we're talking about today. That I believe that there are a lot of people who are trying to force themselves into a better standing with God. I believe there are a lot of people who are trying to, through good works, say, I can force my way into a better relationship with Jesus. But friend, you can't force your way into that. It is a relationship that's given based on the merit of Jesus, not based on your merit. But I also believe that there are many Christians trying to bypass the way that God wants us to live the Christian life. We are trying to bypass the pathway of obedience, the pathway of surrender, the pathway of repentance. And God says, don't try to bypass. Just use the key. And the key is faith. You see, the key is faith. And it's faith in the presence and the word of God that will motivate. And this is the key thought that will motivate your obedience. It is confidence in God's presence that motivates my obedience. It is confidence in God's presence that motivates my good living. It is confidence in God's presence that motivates my good standing with Him. Friend, you cannot get a better relationship and a stronger faith without coming back to the presence of God and saying, I don't want to do anything to hinder it. I want to live my life for the presence of God. And so I want to make it personal. I want you to say this, that my level of obedience reflects my passion for his presence. My level of obedience reflects my passion for his presence. Let's say it again. My level, my obedience reflects the passion for his presence. You get passionate about his presence. You get passionate about getting in his word. And friend, your, fra- your faith will soar on wings of eagles. Friend, if you're here, you do not know Christ. I would encourage you, before you turn the corner off this property, you cannot be ready to live until you're ready to die. I would encourage you, just, just pull off to the side and, and tell one of our, our team members who, are, who will be off to the side here in a minute. Just say, I want to know. I want to know that I'm on my way heaven. I want to know that my sins are forgiven. Friend, if you stop by and talk to us, we would love to talk to you, love to tell you how, you, how you're one minute away from having your destination secured in heaven forever. But Christian, let's stop forcing it. Let's stop trying harder. Let's start putting our faith, putting the key into the door of greater faith, and let's start living a life that God intended us to live through the obedience to the word of God, empowered by the grace of God. Let's pray. God, we come before you, humbled at your presence. I pray for every mom, every dad, Lord, that we would focus our attention on your word. God, I pray that someone who's not in a Bible meditation group would ask someone else to keep them accountable in what they're reading in the Bible. I pray that our prayer would increase. Lord, that we would come out to this property and and just beg for your provision for families who've lost their homes recently. Lord, that we would be a help and a salt and a light in this dark time. God, I pray that you'd please 
give us greater faith. May we not just leave that faith in the, in the graveyard of our intentions, but God, would we place our faith to our actions and show and prove that we believe what you've said about your word. God, your word has power. It can heal us. It can transform us. Now I pray that you'd please help us to act on that. Friend, heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I just want to take a quick minute. Rather than honking our horns as an outward demonstration, we've done that, it's fun. I want you to have an inward moment. Right now, I want you to tell God, yes. Regardless of what you're asking me to do, God, I just want to say yes. God, you want me to, you want me to do what? What is it, God? Yes. You wanted me to volunteer? Yes. You want me to join a life group? Yes. Whatever God's asking, may your answer be yes. Say yes. Insert that key to obedience, of faith with obedience. And friend, I tell you, God will unlock things in your life and your mind. He will give you the life that's worth living. Thanks again for listening. If you would like to learn more about our church or how to get connected, check us out online at findnewlife.church or find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook under the handle Five New Life. Have an amazing day.